Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who hung out in a parking lot with a horse with no name. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass. I don't know. I just feel like, given the lack of fish tank, but the existence of horse, there might be a better metaphorical title for this movie. True. I I don't know. I I think I think the the title of the movie is fairly self-explanatory. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it works. And that and naming a, a horse with no name is maybe a bit on the nose. <laughs> Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. Is that okay? Can yes. Can we do that? I'm excited. Good. Let's do Patreon. it. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Over there for as little as a dollar a month. You can help keep us going and uh, get access to some bonus content. Yeah. We do non-Criterion mm-hmm. film over there every month. Sometimes they're movies that should be in the Criterion collection. Sometimes they're movies from the Eclipse collection, Criterion sister uh, series that we are not doing. As part of Boston Criterion as a rule. Sometimes Adam uh, takes on the f- position of the devil incarnate and tries to torture me or something to that effect. And sometimes we do end up watching absolutely the worst movie we have ever watched in either of our lives combined. It's bad. Just. I'm scarred. Production wise, ethically. I mean, oh, uh, everything about it's bad. It's. Yeah, it's just bad. It's a bad movie. Um. <laughs> Yes, our most recent bonus of this recording is the 1978 film Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band, uh, a jukebox musical starring the Bee Gees, Peter Frampton, and Aerosmith. Uh, and it's just, it's very, it's very bad. It's, oh, it's just it's a very horrible. bad movie. It's, it's so bad. It like hurts to think about. Yeah. So we won't. Let's move on. No, We've done good no. movies over there too. Like Louis Molly's God's Country is probably one of the pinnacles of films. Uh, we've done. It's one of my favorites that we've ever watched. Oh yes, it's um, it's great, great documentary. Um, so yeah, real real roller coaster over there sometimes. Uh, but like I said, for just one dollar a month, you get access to this bonus episodes, the entire back catalog bonus episodes. There's sixty seven over there now, and you also That's get to lot. vote on what we're going to watch each month. Uh, usually, I put together the list, but sometimes I solicit lists from from supporters as well and everybody gets to vote on what we're going to watch out of four or five choices and yeah it's fun uh and we get we introduce a little democracy into the podcast and everybody loves a little democracy but not too much because if you get too much democracy then you lack control and uh, we can't have that Uh (laughs) political theory A little above that $1 mark at $5 for folks who can afford it and want to help keep us going a little bit more, help us pay those bills, make sure we don't have that as an excuse to quit this podcast. Right. we like to thank those folks on air, and thank you so much to our current $5 supporters, Stephen Goldmeyer, Chris Otto, Andrew Jarrett, and Eric Coronado. Yes, thank you. Above that, our highest tier, $10 and above. Uh, we like to thank those folks on air, but... We do something a little more special for him, too. 
Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized note, and mail that off once a month. As I said, we also thank those folks on there. Thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, Nina Bojnak, Jason Westhaver, Patrick Yago, and Tracy McGrath, our $10 and above supporters. Yes, thank you, all of you. Yeah, so grateful to everybody who uh, who's helping us stay at this. Certainly, even if we didn't have Patreon supporters, Pat and I would still be doing this. And yeah, I mean, we might even we nice. might have even already stopped recording it, and we would just be doing it for our own our own weird, yeah, sick, and twisted pleasure. If you want to see those postcards without committing to that ten dollar mark, you can head over to Redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion there, and our store will pop up, and it's all the past postcards with the exceptions of the most recent months and the ones that are like banned sure. in all fifty states. <laughs> And the ones that are banned, not just in the 50 states, but the entire world. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, they've they, the, the all 50 states thing sort of blanket banded around the world, despite the fact that probably you, different countries you could make a better uh, copyright claim because other countries have more reasonable copyright laws than the United States. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. Uh, but also Redbubble isn't, isn't interested in challenging any copyright laws anywhere. So. Very true. Yeah. No, we've had a couple that Redbubble took down because of copyright claims, even though all of them are very obviously fair use. But uh, no one wants... This is the way copyright actually works. It's that people like us, who are doing fair use, don't have the resources to challenge those claims. Uh, So we don't. And that perpetuates a bad system. Uh, Very true. So, uh, so while we're grateful to all of our current Redbubble and Patreon supporters, if you want us to win a lawsuit against, say, Warner Brothers, we're going uh, to need a lot more of you. Yeah. So, a lot more so. money. And then, really, we have to ask ourselves, is it worth it? And it's not. I don't have that time. Uh, what, if that, what if this just becomes our, our weird sort of hobby horse, our, our weird, like, uh, windmill that we're starting to tilt? Where we're like, you and I just get into this protracted Warner Brothers legal, like, extremely expensive legal battle with the Warner Brothers for like a card that makes maybe like 10 cents a year or something like that. I mean, out of <laughs> out of the ones that we've cha- that have been challenged, I'd rather try to take on Warner Brothers than Tohei. So Oh yeah, I know nobody wants that. That's that's yeah. that's suicide. I would actually probably end up dead actually. <laughs> you, might, you might really have, Warner Brothers have, probably like, won't kill me. Yeah, but but you know, they might actually you know, I'm gonna get yeah. rubbed out like someday. Like I find, I found a, a severed Godzilla head in my bed. Again, thank you to everyone who has supported us through Patreon. Everyone who's purchased anything off of Redbubble, you can see all those past postcards over there. You can buy them as stickers, as postcards, as greeting cards. It's really, it's fun. Thank you also to everyone who's listening, like you. Hey, yeah. thanks, and you, and you as well, Pat. This week we were talking about a British drama from 2009, Fish Tank, directed by Andrea Arnold. This is our only Andrea Arnold film in the collection. Uh, and and occasionally Criterion realizes they're never going to put out any other movie by someone. It's such so a weird pack. thing they do, isn't it? Like, where they're like, yeah. oh, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. So we also get three shorts by Andrea Arnold on the release this time. Uh, not just her 2009 film, Fish Tank, uh, but also her shorts, Milk from 1998, Dog from 2001, and Wasp from 2003, all of which thematically tie into this film, uh, playing with similar similar things in a lot of ways. 
in each of those. Interesting enough, Arnold has a couple of other movies that I'd be surprised if don't end up in the Criterion Collection. Um, her 2016 film, American Honey, seems uh, pretty ripe. Uh, okay. Except that it has Shia LaBeouf. I'm not sure Shia LaBeouf is in the Criterion Collection yet. Um, and you also, may not her, be welcome. Yeah. Her, uh, her first film, Red Road, um, which is a psychology thriller with a with a like uh, 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 voyeurism uh, theme to it, and is largely shot in Dogma ninety five, from what I know. Uh, it looks really interesting, okay. and I'm kind of surprised that Criterion didn't didn't give us something like that. Uh, it seems like it's probably darker than this movie. Not that this movie is not dark, uh-huh. uh, but. But uh, but yeah, it did look really interesting. I'm kind of surprised that the Criterion Collection hasn't... Did it start with that? Though, obviously, we're also in the point of the Criterion Collection with releases in 2010, 2011 of 2008, 2009 movies where they're releasing the critical darlings, right? So it's often someone's right. first or second film. Uh, but they're well-received. Um, so the difference here is that, like say yee yee uh or or other movies of of this sort of style of 2009 broadly speaking style of family dramas coming of age dramas uh criterion's releasing the most recent release without ever going back to release more stuff from those directors right i mean it really does feel like during this period they're like showing up at con or whatever and they're just like we'll take that one and we'll take that one and we'll take that one we'll take that one and then like a lot of times yeah they just never seem to come back and like sort of redress like the fact that like oh that creator continued to make movies uh and they were also good you know i don't know right yeah uh she got her start in documentaries nature documentaries uh, and she seems to, from all accounts in the bonus materials, have a very interesting approach to scripting, uh, okay. where the script does exist, but none of the actors get to see it. Uh, okay. That's a new one. Yeah. Uh, so, so is she just, like, giving them, like, sort of, like, okay, here's what I want you to do in this scene kind yeah. of thing? or. Both Kirsten Waring and Michael Fassbender talk about only knowing what was going on in the scenes that they were in. Okay. Uh, and not seeing a whole whole script, which is uh, which is a thing like Marvel movies do. Uh, now. I mean, yeah, I mean but, that, uh, that's not the most uncommon thing in the world. Right, right, right. Um, so one way that compartmentalizing can work out in a good way for like a method acting approach is that for instance, Kirsten Waring as Joanne, the mother uh, didn't know that there was a sexual encounter between Maya and Connor until she saw the film. Okay. And that would be true to Joanne in the movie. Right. Right. Uh, now to suggest that Waring would have played it differently had she known the full story that she was acting in. Um, well, it is that that constant problem of like a lot of directors sort of like, 
almost purposely undermining their actor's ability to do acting, the thing that they hired yes, them to do. Right, right. It's like in pursuit of truth, right? The thing you, uh, the thing you, yeah. you know that like I'm. This is a professional at this job, right? That is, in fact, a job that they do professionally. You can just yes. ask them to act like they don't know this is happening, right? And then Fassbender also talks about. Uh, it actually facilitates something kind of bad with Fassbender, I think. And I do want to talk about this. Oh, we're getting Fassbender early, has an huh? interview uh, as a bonus feature. So it's an audio interview. Uh, and it's a bit of a career retrospective with him, but at a time where you know, he uh, he had a very fascinating early career, yes. Uh, and Fassbender continues to have a very fascinating right. career. Uh, we saw him in Hunger uh, a few months ago. Um, and he was, Hunger was a great movie, and he was great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'd also, you know, by the time, uh, I think by the time this interview is being done, he'd done Inglorious Bastards, he'd done Prometheus, he'd done the, at least one X-Men movie by the time. Right. That, the, oh yeah, for sure. Because like, so he had, of you know, he had a very yeah. weird career once he made it to Hollywood. Um, he's an interesting guy. Uh, but one thing the interview talks about and i think this is it's not a byproduct of the way arnold has treated the script but it is uh encouraged i think by the way arnold has treated the script i, I think for, you can i think worse. there's a reasonable argument to make that it to, to make and we'll, we'll get in i'll explain my thoughts yeah. on this in a second that it, that it is in fact a um almost a direct byproduct but we'll, we'll get into that yeah. in a second um I think it's facilitated by it, and I think it's encouraged by it, but I don't know that it's caused by it. Because what the problem is, is that uh, Fassbender believes his character uh, to be complicated, yes, to be to be capable of good and capable of bad. Uh, but he believes Connor to be someone who has come into this life and is trying to do right by this family and being the only good, the only male here. Uh, to be a good father figure, and that inadvertently, by accidents, uh, him trying to be a good a good man leads to this sexual encounter with a fifteen year old. I mean, he's very very wrong. When yeah, when you know, the character period has actively groomed this child. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's there's the the weird bit that even even Fassbender acknowledges as weird, like when Connor very lovingly uh carries a drunk passed out Maya to bed, uh, and then takes off her shoes, uh, and puts a blanket on her, and that's all very loving, except also he very gingerly takes off her pants before he puts the blanket on right. her. And that's a little weird, isn't yes. it? It is. A very, uh, and a he little, says, it's not yeah, just that's a, little a little weird. It's very weird. <laughs> it's very weird. It's very bad. Um, and the spanking uh, is not a moment it's, of fun. Right, very fucked up. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, so, you know, it's. I think that this sort of. This stuff when it happens in real life, I think can be written off as 
accidental and byproducts and and not inadvertent and you know they weren't they weren't trying to do this uh and i think it's very easy to talk about that and sure i think i think sometimes this can happen accidentally and i think it can be just the way people are raised but all of this is part of the problem that that is the way people are raised and because we talk about it as just inevitable that uh we don't change how people are raised right right and, uh, and honestly speaking like as far as like as far as this goes in the movie we we definitely cross into the to the boundaries of a world where like there's no real excuse at this point there's no real like um yeah you know what i mean like it it can't at this point really be an accident right right um and i i think what we end up with fastbender a problem we end up with fastbender is and, and and definitely the um you know so the approach of the movie is definitely not helping for sure is that like you know because he's given limited information throughout the sort of creation of the movie right he ends up conceiving of the character in a way that is especially if the if it were shot in, at all in sort of order which you kind of get the impression it might be like where like he doesn't he's already conceived in his mind of what the character is and like that doesn't end up lining up with the way the film goes you know what i mean and so he ends up right, right, feeling right. i need to defend the character in some way or something to that effect where yeah like and almost he's been tricked to a certain extent sort of feeling yeah. almost and Arnold certainly understands the character and what the character is meant to oh, be yeah. in the story that that she's telling, right? Um, story she's telling about Maya, Maya, who is a complicated character who's capable of both mm-hmm. good and bad, and and sure, Connor, yes, also capable of both good and bad, but still actively doing the bad, uh, and allowing allowing Fastbender to have an out, uh, which I think not providing him with the full script does provide that out. And yeah, it means that Fastbender, it means that Connor as a character is able to justify himself, but that's not something that we want from Fastbender in this movie either, right? And Fastbender actively talks about the shooting of the actual sex scene uh, and how he would recognize that he's dealing with an amateur, uh, he's dealing with a, a young person, 17 at the time of shooting, uh, someone who had never acted before, someone who was... uh, (laughs) They found Katie Jarvis. The casting director saw her in a fight with her boyfriend on a train platform and said, hey, this is the person I need to be in this movie (laughs) and approached her in that moment. And Katie Jarvis said, fuck off. I, Quite rightly, g- good for her. I, I okay. <laughs> I Adam. I I not to derail your conversation about Fassbender yeah. and and Connor because this movie, despite the fact that Connor's really not in the movie very much, it ends right, up being right, right. A, a point of conversation because I mean he is a statutory rapist. He is a rapist yeah. in, in general, right? Because uh, he also is grooming her the whole time. Yeah. Um, so, but to not to derail things, what's what is it with people like seeing young women on train platforms or something to that extent and be like, "That's <laughs> her. She needs to be in my movie." Why do people uh, do that? Why can't I mean, they stop least, doing that? What the fuck is wrong with people? At least here it was the casting director and not and Roman not the Blansky. director. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, yeah. I don't. But know. like, People I like... wonder if it if it sort of takes on this weird air of like, well, she's not going to do it, so I'm going to have to pick some random woman off of, out of the out of the yeah. platform to do this or something. I don't know. Since, it's very fucked up. Like, please stop. There are like people who act for a living. You could just do a casting call. Stop since it. Since the beginnings, since the beginnings of Italian neorealism, there's this uh, been this idea of of truth in, uh, from people who don't have the training. I don't right? buy any of it. But there's also been the say closer to, uh, uh <laughs> the machete end of things. Where yeah. the person we've hired who has no training, Bresson then makes Nadine Nordier into the sort of actor Bresson wants to work with. Right. Right. Which which ruins her for having any other acting gig. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and and you know, it, it, it really always comes up and it's weird to, for a cat it's weirder in the in the position of a casting director. Than it yeah. is in a director, but it's just like weird sort of power trip, I think, more than anything. Yeah, and it yeah, never, yeah. and I don't, and I, I do not, I firmly, to the depths of my heart, do not believe it adds anything no. to the movie. Right. Now the flip side, a, a, a professional actor would have done exactly the same thing. The flip side of that is that uh, the professional acting community is sort of gatekept, uh, and right. you've got to have. You've got to have the resources to be able to become a professional actor in order to become a professional actor, right? So people like Katie Jarvis, who do have a talent, yeah, and and she's very good here, and she goes on to act. She she did like, I think she she had a long standing character on EastEnders for yeah. for a few years. Yeah, I mean her um, face is very is very familiar to me. Yeah, um, um, you know she's she's got this talent, and she never would have had the opportunity to utilize that talent. If if not for this chance encounter, you know she never would have been in a position to audition for a movie like this. Right? True. Um, yeah, you know, but I, on the flip side, I'm not sure the editor, uh, the, the directors and like and the in this situation casting directors. I don't think that they're helping matters by doing what they're doing. Right. Though. Right. Because yeah. it's all very self serving. Like you could try to hire fresh new actors who are trying to become professional actors. Like that's a whole category of humans that exist, right? Like, I, but but you don't. You the only time it's there's like a kind of weird delineation. It's like, well, I either pick a random woman out of the train, like at the train station, or I will only work with the most seasoned, professional, famous actors. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's all there's a whole category of people that like get passed over by directors because they don't want someone who's barely not an amateur. Uh-huh. But they'll go to the train station and pick out some rando and be like, ah, you're perfect. Yeah. I don't know. It's very yeah. weird to me. The you whole know, thing just a... makes me uncomfortable every time I hear it. We have a complicated relationship with that, too, right? Because, you know, someone like uh, someone like Leoud in 400 Blows, mm-hmm. perfectly cast. And that was just a rando. It was a casting call right. to, to schools. But, yes, it was just a rando. Um, whereas... What you've already complained about. Sometimes it leads to someone, you know, they're they're hired not while ostensibly they're hired to portray what we're doing here more realistically and more truthfully, uh, it is really just an amount of control over someone yeah. who doesn't know to say no. Right. 
when asked to do certain things. Even when it doesn't get gross, which it often does get gross, even when it doesn't get gross, it still ends up a lot of times being like, well, I can mold you into the into the exact right. person I want. Which is yeah. like, that, at that point, you're what you're doing is you're kind of like overplaying your hand in the whole sort of auteur theory sort of thing where it's like, well, I... Now even the yeah. actors don't have a vision of what this movie is. Only I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there is, you know, the flip side of that, the the very other extreme end is something like Pedro Costa's, Costa's Fountain House trilogy, where it's almost documentarian. And, yeah, and I, really, I consider that almost a weird really animal. We really fudge the line. Right? Yeah, that one's a weird animal. That one I don't know. I almost can't think about it in terms of other movies because it's so sort of right, right. They're still out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. So back to our discussion about Michael Fassbender and the fact that he does not recognize that the character he portrayed is grooming a fifteen-year-old into forming a sexual relationship with him. Right. If if all of this is to facilitate facilitate Fassbender able to able to be Connor in totality when he's portraying. Uh, then we have the step back that Fassbender actively recognizes. He's self-conscious, rightly so, that when they're shooting the sex scene, he's dealing with an amateur. He's dealing with someone who has no experience uh, and someone who's underage. And he's trying to make her more comfortable, which is you know where it, he talks about making jokes Um but apparently the the comments about the size of his dick are are meant to be those jokes um and trying to make her more more comfortable with me by that, by introducing does, humor does to the situation he think that joke makes the situation like less tense he also expressed a slight uh slight embarrassment at le- realizing what he had said so he t- i don't know if he's just very nervous or he's so into character that he doesn't realize what he's doing um, but he's also self-conscious enough to say, I wanted to shoot this in one scene or one take so that we didn't have to do it again to make to get it over with as quickly as possible for, for the sake of her comfort is how he presents it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably true yeah. enough. Right. Um, now, with Michael Fassbender, we are dealing with someone who has um, a history of allegations of uh, domestic abuse as well. Um, I did not know that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so that might that might paint our approach here too, but I think allegations of domestic abuse and, uh, and failure to understand uh, toxic masculinity as related to grooming are are interrelated but not the same. So you know they're they're both aspects of how uh, Western society treats the male, uh, but. Uh, but they aren't necessarily hand in hand, I guess. Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the interview with him is, is fascinating in, in that, uh, in that, you know, I don't get, I feel like Arnold's approach of not showing him the whole script and not, not really getting down to, you know, on the one hand, you could be an overbearing director and say, this is your character, this is your character's motivation, and eliminate anything that the actors might bring to it. And that's bad. That is bad. Right. Um, 
But in allowing an open interpretation of who Connor is, uh, we allow Michael Fassbender to believe that Connor is a better person than Connor is. <laughs> right. I mean, like, it's it's interesting, right? Because, like, what what I have to assume is that, like, if, if I'm giving him the full benefit of the doubt, which I don't really have a reason not to, yeah. um, basically, he keeps, like, every time he does a scene, assuming they were shooting roughly, like, linearly, then, like, each time he shoots a scene, he's doing a thing where their relationship is changing over time, and he's being flirty with her, which is bad, but can kind of, you can sort of, he could mentally write off as being innocent. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a teenager, and they, she's being kind of flirty, and I'm being kind of flirty. This sort of, it's still bad, but, like, I could see how he would mentally be like, well, this guy's not a bad guy, though. He just right. sort of is maybe being a little inappropriate. Uh, and then and then to a certain extent, right, Michael Fassbender has to come to terms with what we as the audience had to come to terms with, which is like when they when the actual sex scene happens, it's pretty fucking abrupt. Like, yeah, they're 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 it goes from flirting to sex pretty intensely and pretty quickly yeah um and i think because to a certain extent fassbender has already conceptualized his character in his mind uh it's quite possible that he needs to excuse that behavior in a way that probably the character himself is trying to excuse it too which i guess maybe to that extent we run into a problem of michael fassbender not being able to separate himself from his character uh to the extent he should be able to which is like the character seemingly also is like trying to excuse himself and say like, Oh, that shouldn't, you know, he recognizes that shouldn't have happened. But like, the point is that shouldn't have happened. You're a full ass grown ass man. Like (laughs) this is a child. Like there's no, you, there's no way like you can like in your mind generate a like, well, it was an accident. I got it cut up in the heat of the moment. Like, you you know what I mean? Like there's, we, we crossed a line and, Fassbender kind of it seems like doesn't want to accept that because he got too wrapped up in the character to a certain extent, like and, and sort of underst- believing the character is not a bad person. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when that line gets crossed, that character you have to recontextualize that character. We as the audience certainly recontextualize that character. We sort of see this coming, right? But we don't right. really much like a lot of things, and we'll talk about another point where we don't know what's coming exactly. Um, yeah. We the movie's pretty good at not exactly telegraphing exactly what will happen, right? But rather building a lot of tension, a lot of um, sort of you know uh, stress, you know, uh, giving the audience right. an actual pretty exciting and, story by like never being certain what exactly will happen, right? And and also even as Maya, for instance, uh, has increased <laughs> has increasingly poor decisions, yes. Uh, through the third act of the God, movie. man, I that was the most <laughs> stressful thing I've ever watched in my entire yes. life. I was like, please, just please stop. Doing? Why are you doing any please. of this? Please. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. As soon as she turns back around from the from the train station, it is just a... Oh, it's just one bad decision after another. It's... Right. Well, Ratchet it up thing, over and over again. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's and, the thing is, right, I gotta say, like, um, you know... Andrew Arnold is a, is a fucking amazing, amazing director because 
it's it is it is basically just a like a a not a family drama, but it's a pretty basic drama in many ways, right? But like you live in a lot of suspense throughout much, especially once we get to around the third act, where you're like you just never know where where the line's going to be, what's going to happen. Um, you know, yeah, as you talk about the poor right. decision making, eventually kidnapping his daughter. Yeah. Uh, and then you're like, and you don't know when she falls in the river. You firmly believe, based on what you've seen in the movie, there's an equal chance that that child will drown right now, right. or that child will be will get out. And there's right. no way you can predict which one's going to happen. Right. It's impossible. Like, yeah, Arnold has given you no way to know which way she'll go. And right. that's like fucking masterpiece. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. And that's not just, this isn't the only time that happens, right? The sex scene is in many ways the same way, right? Like, you just yeah. don't know. It could it could have been stopped, like, it would still convey basic the basic information of the story and not have happened. It's right. stronger with it happening, but it would work without it because, you know, well, if she, if she, uh, if Maya like put a stop to it, it would basically yeah. convey that. If if he put a stop to it, it would somewhat undermine some of the the point of the story yeah. to a certain extent. Um, but now, I um, will I will say the fact that Connor disappears the morning after maybe does suggest more of a guilt. Well, right, but but guilt but, does but, not necessarily mean that it was unintended. Right. That's what I mean. Is that like yeah. guilt is not the same. People feel guilty after doing things that they fully intended to do. Right. 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 Like and yeah, maybe he didn't like fully plan out. Well, and then I'm gonna have sex with her and the, like, but like you continue to allow a, your this relationship with this child to escalate in a in a sexual direction, like recklessly. Like you were you were severely negligent of your responsibility as an adult. Right. Like you. Right. And, and 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 presumably doing it on purpose, right? You you like you could have put a stop to it at any time, so that makes it sort of essentially on purpose. And then you know, regret is not the same thing. And like it's just not the same thing as having moral character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like feeling regret about doing a bad thing is is it's good that he regrets it. Yes. But also it's equally understandable that he might also recognize that he has essentially bought himself a one-way ticket to jail yeah uh and and that if and that like telling her hey you shouldn't tell anybody about this is not the same thing as like ensuring you're not going to go to jail yeah and connor's connor's interesting to the way he's portrayed here um and connor's connor's outside life right the stuff that the stuff that both joanna as a character, and also uh, Kirsten Waring as a, as an actress doesn't know about Connor, right? <laughs> as, um, the fact that he's got a more middle class lifestyle, you know, it's not it's not super rich, but he lives in a single family home in a housing development instead of a in, uh, in what appears to be a, a, a relatively new housing development. Like, the building yeah. is new-built, as far as we can tell, or it looks new-built. Yeah. Um, he's a security guard at a at a Home Depot, essentially, but it it pays his bills. Uh, he's got a wife and a daughter. Uh, he owns a car, which is different to 
almost anyone we know in the council flats at least um so he's also you know when when he decides he wants to have an affair he slums it right he goes he well does i mean he goes sex yeah tourism, he goes to essentially right, he does sex tourism right? on 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 the pores yeah. uh and like it's worth noting that like part of that comes from the fact that like well i mean where's the place he's least likely to ever have it be found right. out right like there's right. no mutual connection of like his middle class life there's zero chance those people will his wife and daughter will ever encounter anybody in the council flats right like it's just they they're right. never going to cross paths like ever um right yeah and yeah it is it is essentially sex tourism it is it is well again playing into the fact that um uh you know Arnold's an, an amazing director like you don't see any of that shit coming right like ahead of oh, time yeah. like you you right. see like you see certain things coming that she wants you to see coming but like but like it, it you don't see it coming but like in a way that is doesn't feel like you're having a um you don't feel like you're having a surprise pulled on you any more than the than the characters do right it, it doesn't feel like a bull it doesn't feel like a bullshit like yeah. twist ending or we, something it's just like it's fully earned he's hiding yeah. this from them and he's hiding this right. from his family and of course as the audience we also don't know it right we know he has as access to some expensive things like he's got that camera mm-hmm. uh but people you know people have hobbies people can have access to more expensive things well and without... you know there's all kinds of ways you could end up with like right and we don't, I mean, he has a car, so we're aware that he probably has more money than Joanne does. Yeah. But, like, that doesn't mean he's, like, that doesn't give you any hint that, like, he's also, like, able to support himself in, a, like, a, a single-family home, relatively right. new built, and all this other stuff. Like, it doesn't give you any hint that, like, he's doing that well for himself. Right, right. And, you know, it's, <laughs> maybe there's some subtle hinting here that he's not doing that well for himself. Well, no, I mean, I mean nice yeah, fight, from a from right. a purely financial standpoint, I bet. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's um it's a very it's a very good surprise, right? That happens, right? It yeah. it and and then you watch Maya sort of like lose it, uh, yeah. and and then you so you then have to like be like, I understand you're very hurt and you're very surprised. Could you please stop before something goes yes. really really wrong? Um, and she does, that. and things do go really, really very, wrong. very wrong. Yes, um, yeah. And then the one that I was talking about earlier with you is the the I so quick quick story time. I I already told Adam this, but I because of like plans for today, I watched all but the last fifteen minutes of this movie, fifteen twenty minutes of this movie in one go in the morning. I stopped at exactly the point. Where uh, Connor is chasing Mia, Maya, is it Mia or Maya? I can't remember, Mia, across the um, the field. And I had to stop the film at that point to go do a bunch of you know stuff that I had planned. And went a full nine hours without being able to watch the last 20 minutes of the movie and find out whether or not Connor basically murders uh, yeah. Maya. Like... You don't know, right? Because we've watched a lot of really intense shit happen in this movie. Right. I, and and considering the, the basic fundamental topic of this movie and the shorts, it is equally believable that he would or he wouldn't. 
yeah. beat her to death. Like, yeah. or at least yeah. beat her so badly that, like, we end the movie essentially with her. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of there's a possibility space in between those two things. But my point is, like, I had no way to know how bad this was going to be. Right. Right. And and honestly, with the the way things had been escalating already, yeah, uh, I was fairly convinced uh, he was going to beat her at least within an inch of her life or something like that. Yeah. I really was expecting that. Uh, tracking her down one slap and then leaving was actually kind of surprising. Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> actually. I I feel like, and and I and I kind of appreciate that in the sense that like, in that one moment we do kind of get an impression that perhaps, like, there is a the sort of hint that Connor is not like pure evil, uh, or at least like purely given into just like uncontrollable like behavior or something like that yeah uh because i i was kind of by that point expecting him to like really severely hurt her um yeah yeah uh and then you know i mean the one thing like so like arnold being very good at telegraphing certain things and then not telling us anything about the other things we all knew exactly what that dance audition was like right, from right, a, right, from the right. moment she picks up the paper, the entire audience recognizes that this is not going to go the way she thinks this is going to go. In fact, I right. imagine it was actually gentler and nicer than I thought it was going to be. Yes, I was yes, very worried too. that we were headed to some really gross places. Uh, we went; she went to a gross place, but I thought the story was going to go to a very gross place or could go to a very gross place. Um, right, and it didn't. Uh, where wherein we see Maya actually like exercise good judgment. And 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 we get the understanding that you know she's fifteen years old. She makes good and bad choices, right? And she makes the choice to get the fuck out of Dodge, which was the the good choice, right? Uh, in that situation, yeah, yeah. Um, whether or not her decision at the end of the movie to leave for Wales well, with it, 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 Billy. Bears to be seen, right? Like honestly yeah. speaking, like that. It's neither that one's almost neutral in many ways, mm-hmm. right? Like we see that her mother does not care enough to stop her. Um, her mother has been relishing the fact that she is being sent off to a uh, some sort of I don't know exactly right. the system of this this part of the system of education in the UK, but some sort of boarding school for 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 girls. Mm-hmm. Possibly boys and girls, but like either way, she's being shipped off to basically, uh, I don't know what, I, like juvenile detention or something to that effect. Um, not quite, it doesn't seem that severe, but it doesn't seem like she's able to attend regular school anymore. She has to go to this school. Right. Well, she does um, have a tendency to headbutt people in the nose. So. Well, one person. Um, <laughs> right, right. I mean, right. yeah. I mean, she does need. She clearly needs help, but I I have no faith in whatever system this is to provide actual help. Yeah. Uh, pardon my <laughs> refusal to believe that a that the 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 place being described in this movie is in, is is in any way capable. Oh, absolutely of helping, not. Yeah. Uh, troubled young young people. Um. You know, I mean, wh- I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like if you and I play it out in our heads, right? Like, obviously, going with Billy is not going to end. Great. Um, if nothing well, else, because I think, well, I, I mean, just from a, like a purely like really long system thing, like she's fifteen years old, she hasn't like right, finished right. school or anything like that. You know, there's 
eventually she's going it's going to become a problem that she doesn't have like a high school think, education or anything like that but yeah yeah that's fair i think it's equally possible that her and billy go off and have have a comfortable nice life as it is that she ends up actually working at a, as an exotic dancer within a year or something you know i mean there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of possibilities i mean we know that he is like you know he's his family he is fundamentally itinerant anyway um yeah but that is a community that is fairly supportive internally. Yes. And so if she fits into that community, it's also possible that this becomes a, an actually safer place for her than the one she was in. Also true. Yeah. Like in all seriousness, because like she's not existing in a family that has any support mechanism whatsoever. Her mother has right. no interest in tro- properly taking care of her, doing anything to ensure that she is safe or healthy. Um, it's kind of a miracle she made it to 15 and didn't die already or, like, doesn't have any sort of serious physical ailments or anything like that. It sort of goes to the resiliency of of, of human beings in general, which is that, like... Because this is clearly a person who has no interest in her child. Um, And so it's not... I wouldn't argue that the place she's going is more dangerous. It's probably, at most, equally dangerous. Um, And we've seen no evidence that... I mean, you know... it. It, it it is scary what happens to her, her in her first encounter with that that group of people um it's extremely scary uh but she seems to have taken a shine to billy and he does seem to be a generally fairly not like he doesn't seem like a very angry person or anything like that so i don't know it's interesting to think it's interesting to think about the movie sort of Lisa is a broad, open field. Um, you do worry about her sister <laughs> quite a bit yeah. as well. Like we we see that, like you know, her sister really depended on her as probably, despite the fact that they fight and they say nasty things to each other. Their mother is not a, a stable force at all in her life, and so probably the sister was depending to a certain extent on Mia as a as a another person. And now it's just the younger sister and mom, which is probably going to end. That could end very, very badly. Right. Um, all things considered. Yeah. No, the decision to have all three of them as their final act together, dance to that Nas song, Life's a Bitch and Then You Die. That's why we get high. Uh, is, uh, you know, it's absolute. Yeah. The one thing that... The music, the music in this movie is generally recognized to be the music Andrea Arnold liked, right? Uh, and Andrea Arnold also comes from a very similar background to Maya as a character. In fact, she grew up in uh, in a council flat just across the estuary, not in Essex, but but adjacent to Essex. Um. And, uh, you know, one, a really great thing in this movie is, uh, I think the use of, uh, U.S. African-American music, uh, hip hop, but not just hip hop. We also get, uh, you know, we get some R&B stuff through Connor. Uh, that is music that speaks to poverty 
in many right. ways. Yeah. In a way that people around the world have connected with uh impoverished people around the world. And the Williams family is an impoverished family, certainly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh yeah. So yeah. Also, another uh, another thing Kirsten Waring brings up in her her interview, as far as not knowing what the script is, you brought up the little sister. Uh, she introduces her not knowing about the script by uh, with a with a story that she only knew that the little sister character, the younger daughter character, had smoked a cigarette because the actress couldn't help but brag about it. <laughs> it was nice. like so excited to have done that scene. So like you know, this extended to Arnold not letting. Uh, Kirsten know things that the children would have hidden from Joanne, right? Uh, that Joanne wouldn't have known in in the film universe, which I do think is interesting, but also, as I already said, I also think is needless. Um, <laughs> it is. I, I really do. I mean, that you, you but, have a professional actor. The other thing yeah. that's worth thinking about with regards to that is that, like... Um, the flip side of that is, is that she's already playing a character who wouldn't care anyway. Yeah, right, right, like, right, right, right. Like a fundamental thing about the, that's weird about this, in my feeling, is that like you've already asked this person to play a a hyper negligent mom, like mother, like who does not care about her children at all, seemingly at all, except for in in as much as they inconvenience her. Um, yeah. So like, if she's already playing that character. Why would she suddenly care about you, you know what I mean? Like she's already in that character, presumably. Like it's not gonna right, right. Hurt knowing it, her not knowing know. it, shouldn't shouldn't yeah. yeah affect how she plays that character. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it. I think it grows more out of, um, you know, the Dog to ninety five and the the documentary ideals yeah. that that Arnold brings to her early career, and you know that that sort of documentarian. We've we've seen a lot of really great directors who who did documentaries too. Well, Varda among them, right? Right. And you know, there is there's an amount of this movie that is very close to Vagabond, uh, in many ways. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of Varda, uh, but also just throughout the entire history of our relationship with the Criterion Collection, uh, it is still very rare that we get a female director uh telling female oriented stories uh and Varda was an early example of that back right right an early example of that Cleo Cleo was an early example of that and fish tank is in that it's vein. a continuation and, it's a it's a different sort of take on it but it is a continuation yeah, of some of those certainly, those, certainly. those goals and like we you know we watched the shorts and they all feature a very similar uh sort of um, goal in mind, uh, yeah, from different perspectives. Uh, right. I mean, they're, but they're all describing how th- there's a there's a world here that that is designed to focus on and ensure the happiness of a certain kind of person, and the person in our movie is not that person. Right. Right. It, right, it is. Right. It is a. It is very much a movie. There are very much movies about how this is. Very, yeah. very about how the patriarchy doesn't create right. situations for women of various in various points in their lives that are essentially inescapable. That uh, right, 
and and then sort of abuse them into doing what the patriarchy wants to have them do, right? Yeah. Um, so the shorts are much so do, shorter, but they are the same basic idea. Right. Let's let's talk more directly about the shorts. Okay. For a sure. Dog, dog. The the I cannot the remember which one, one is which. So you're gonna have to so, help me on that. So dog is the wasp one where is the one with the bug in the mouth. I do know that wasp is the one with the bug in the mouth, and that one in Oscar. Uh, and Did. also had my favorite scene from it's any of these. It's a very, very good, very good short. Yeah, um, where uh, <laughs> the scene where the where the mom counts to three and all of them turn around and give give the finger. Yeah, I do it's like just, that quite a bit. Yeah, I laughed so much. It was so good. Uh, dog is dog is the one where the dog gets beat to death. Right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess the names are. Yeah. I I didn't in my mind until we started talking actually put a, like two and two together that the name is explanatory yeah. of something important in the film. Yes. Like it yes. just I didn't process um, it until we started talking. And, and also in Dog, we we end with the main character barking like a dog at her mother. Right. Um, and Dog Dog has you know the character in Dog has a lot of similarities to Maya, and the character in Wasp. Uh, the mother, the main character in Wasp, has a lot of similarities has to, some, to someone like all. Joanne, yeah. but but who is responding somewhat differently to their situation. Right. Um, and then Milk, uh, very literally, uh, Milk is is the story of a woman who has gone through a miscarriage and is right. lactating as a constant reminder of her own grief. That one is the, that uh, is, I guess, the one I was not. I had sort of I, that one is so short and so yeah so much it's not worse but it's so it, it is different from the other ones in many ways and i don't i didn't it really, is stylistically different from the other yeah, ones. yeah i didn't quite dog is shot very documentarian and like right and that's not true of of any of the rest of the stuff we're we're talking about today uh dog dog has a very if you had presented dog to me uh as a narrative documentary i would have believed you uh, you know, there is some. I mean, style. I mean, yeah, obviously, on, but like, stylistically, would, it's shot yeah. like a narrative documentary, I, particularly I, in the first few minutes. Yeah, it, it um, is. But there's also the one, yeah, as you pointed out, that like has yeah. the bears the most resemblance in a lot of ways to right. this movie, right? Like, um, milk in many ways. Milk, the way it's shot, is almost experimental compared to the others. Yeah, uh, milk reminds just, me of a of some other movies we've seen. I can't I can't put my finger on it, but like. The feeling of it feels very familiar, right? Like I feel I mean, like we've I, watched movies like that. I think ob- obviously it does not go nearly as far, but I think there's some some similarities in the dealing of grief uh, with milk and like Antichrist. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and and I would say that like they both have a very very grungy aesthetic, which yes. is which is definitely a part of it, um, for sure. I I, I do like. They were all, all three shorts were very, very uh, interesting to watch. I also ended up watching them all before I watched the main movie just because of the way timing yeah. worked out. And that was, I felt like a pretty interesting way to do it. Uh, presumably that, I, I assume the shorts came before the, um, the feature The shorts film. did come before, yes. So I do feel like in some way or another, I did sort of probably replicate the, uh, the, the, the watching our own sort of career experience. Um, in fact, I do think I ended up watching them in exactly. I did end up watching them in exactly the order they were created on accident. Yeah, Milk, or or Criterion did that on purpose to me. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. I don't think it did. Uh, I did watch Milk first, and like Milk is, 
Milk is good, but it is not really dealing with exactly the same topics that the rest of them are. Milk is more, as you pointed out, is engaging with the idea of grief and like with the things people right. do to try to like rescue themselves from grief and how they kind of try to relieve it. And how yeah. her the 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 mother the the mother and the father are dealing with this in very different ways, right? Right. Um, and I think I think gendered in a way that reminded me of Antichrist too. Though obviously the father the father here does not approach the grief in this you know in, it's not in, clinical about. It. I mean, he's doing what he's not is the more it. like sort of understood yeah. to be the the uh, uh, the um. Yeah. societally approved way of dealing with this grief, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. But also bearing in mind that in this situation, they are having a very different, those two people are having very different experiences at a, at a core level about right, the way right, that right. They, they engage, with the way the things unfolded and the way they engage with them. Um, and like, she's dealing with, a, like a lot of stuff, and 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 the acting's quite good, so you really do get a really strong feel of like she's very despondent. Like this is a a very right. bad bad time, right? And uh, yeah. when yeah, when they're talking about going to the funeral, and he says you need to say goodbye, and she said I hadn't even said hello yet. Right? Ah, yeah. man, just the the whole short is very it's very powerful. It's very emotionally resonant. Um, the uh, the fact that she, on the one hand, is pursuing this uh, random sexual encounter as a way of taking her mind off of things, but the fact that she's pursuing a young man and can't help but be motherly to him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she yeah, she goes just... through like a lot of grief physically with him, like yes. this this young man. and. And to a certain extent, you know, it, it deals with the idea that in sometimes, like a strange, like a stranger, might be a better choice for dealing with grief than than right. a person who will want to try to emotionally connect with yeah. you. Uh, no, she's still doing it in a, a bad way, and she shouldn't. <laughs> but, right. Yes. But, but yes. I mean, like you know, she is she is dealing with a lot of stuff, and uh, yeah. I, I, it's very interesting. It is a very interesting sort of take on grief. Right. Uh, so I, I found that quite uh, quite interesting, and then we then we get into um, dog, and dog, dog starts dealing with more of the the direct specific topics of uh, a fish tank right. in a lot of ways. Dog's more of a proto fish tank than than anything else we see here. You know, we're... we we get a much more overtly like misogynistic and 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 patriarchal like sort of like it because it's a short in many ways. Sort of a lot of the yeah. motifs are compressed and made more explicit and, and and intense right like um i mean this this young woman who's about to seemingly have her first right. sexual encounter watches in the grossest most like sort of like dismissive place humanly possible right uh yes. watches the person she was going to do that with kick a dog to death uh because it stop his drugs stop mid midway to yeah. kick a dog to death yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's really like I mean, it it could not be more more on the nose about the sort of relationship between sex and violence, uh, yeah. especially in the world that this this young woman lives in. Right. Than it is, but in that way, it's good because it is so. It's a short, right? It conveys a lot of information very very quickly, right? Right. Um, this right. sort of yeah, dog dog much more overtly reminds me of like fat girl. Uh, 
Yeah. Than uh, than anything else we've seen, thankfully. Um, yeah. Catherine Brelay's, uh It was, yeah, it's a movie I won't forget. Uh, but yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. And then we get uh, into to Wasp, and Wasp tries to sort of tell the same story from the other side in many ways, mm-hmm. um, which is also an interesting experience. Um, you know, Wasp is kind of a, a slightly more lighter and gentler version of Joanne. Uh, it, it is more sympathetic to that to that mother character in a lot of ways, right? It, it is trying to engage with the idea that, like, the system has also trapped mom as well, right? Like the mom is, whereas Joanne in 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 Fish Tank is not really a sympathetic character at all, right? She's just yeah. a party, sort of. She's just into partying. She doesn't care about her right, kids. Right, right, right. She yeah. We, she's actually a very shallow character, right? Like Joanne is just not an important character in Fish Tank. She's more right. of a set because we're so she's anything else. because we're so steep in Maya's point of view, right? Right, right, right. Never, absolutely. You know, we see Joanne as Maya sees Joanne. Right. Well, right. and and that's true. Like Arnold does a good job of that. We see everything in the way that like right she does. Um and 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 in and in that way it's very effective, but we also have no sympathy for Joanne at all because seemingly she's just right awful. Um whereas here, you know, we get a different perspective and um you know, we have. I, I don't remember the name of the characters at all. Unfortunately, I don't. I don't, know I don't have names. I don't know that they have a name. Yeah. yeah. So the mother in that, you know, she's 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 desperate for like anything other than child human connection, right? Like she's single mother. She she desperately needs anybody else in her life other than her children. She's not doing a good job of taking care of her children, um, but she does care about them. Uh, I mean, we start off the movie establishing that because we are traveling across town in what seems to be a very laborious trip yeah. to pick a fight with a mom, with another mom, because her kid, they there was some sort of fight between Her kid them. had picked a fight with, with right, yeah. that mom's kid's fights. Right. And, and, yeah. and we, we don't get all the details, but like basically, like, you know, we, we understand that as however misguided. It comes from a sense of like a desire to like defend and protect her child, right? Right. But she's also desperate for just any sort of social life, any sort of chance to, and 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 then we kind of engage pretty pretty thoroughly with a lot of really important ideas, like the fact that like, well, there's no system in place to allow her to have any life outside of taking care of her kids. There's no system apparently in place to ensure that she can even feed her children. Right. Uh, any sort of meat reasonable meal. I mean, they're eating sugar out of a sugar bag as a meal, right? She's, she's scraping together pennies at every moment to just make anything happen. Right. Um, and then, you know, she's trying to have something that akin to a social life and her answer is to bring her kids with her. Right. But like, we're, you know, we're talking pretty explicitly about the fact that like, well, I mean, is there a system in place to allow her to like ask, like, she has to beg a few friends that try to watch him. None of them can. I mean, does she make a bad decision? Absolutely, she does. But you kind of can sympathize with her, even as at the same time you're kind of really like pretty stressed out because you're like, this is not a good decision. You made a bad decision. Please stop this too. It's very akin to Mia's decision making once she uh, 
really go, when once she goes to Connor's house, right? Where you're like, uh, please stop, just please stop making these bad decisions. Uh, but we also see how like there's the whole like you know she could have her kids removed and things like that used as a as a cudgel, right? Like, and it's used by other people around her rather than offering any sort of help or assistance. They just sort of kind of attack her and like oh they're gonna call child services or whatever right like never mind the fact that like we create these sort of intensely adult spaces that like don't you know allow for children don't don't you know and she's also got to hide it because she's you know doesn't feel you know like she can expose it there's we can really see how the, the the sort of system is designed to to make her life kind of unlivable right um and we also see the the when push comes to shove she's she realizes sort of how she just can't can't have both like she just Mm -hmm. can't do both of these things and how that's caused her children to suffer uh and then in in a very what almost it turns out becomes a bit of a i guess it's not entirely out of left field move for her for arnold sort of um style like the guy she is there to go on a date with is not a terrible person and right, drives right, them right. home but buys them dinner and drives them home right like yeah 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 this actual this actual moment of hope uh, yeah it's it's an interesting thing when you then go watch the next movie and you're like well i mean yeah we are arnold is very realistic about the world as well um Right, right. Yeah, just the the endings of each of these are so like our last our last image in milk is her crying while this young man, teenage while, boy even. Yeah, suckles suckling her, right? like probably I mean, I it's hard to tell like I'm bad at judging ages. I got I was yeah. under the impression that he was probably like yeah, Late I don't teens. think he's underage. Yeah, I don't. But, I don't think she's. Yeah. I do not think she is sleeping with like un, a fifteen-year-old. I do not think that <laughs> right. is happening. Uh, yeah. Still bad, very, very bad decision making. But nonetheless, I don't get that impression. Right. right. And then, um, dog ends with what? Her storming into her room. I think I can't remember the exact. I don't last think image I, of dog. She barks at her mom. She barks at her mom. And yeah. then I can't. I can't either. I think it just. I think she did she run upstairs. I can't remember. I think she runs upstairs, but it might just end with the mom walking away and calling her crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But then Wasp ending with with he's bought them food and he's like, "Well, I'll drive you home and then we'll have a chat." Right. Uh, it's just already more more sympathy than any of our characters. Well, and it's interesting, right? Anyone. Because because Arnold pulls the reverse of much of what she does in 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 uh, Fish Tank. Because you kind of get the impression that he's a shithead, right? Like, right he, right. he talks to her on the road, and he's like, kind of being a real cheesy, right? right. He's set up like, not, like, he's set not up asshole, like he's you know, going to be a bad guy, right? Whereas, right. He's like, kind of like yeah. leaning out of the car. He's doing that kind of like tough guy, cool guy talk about like, you know what I mean? He's trying to pick up this uh, this woman, right? And and it, 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 he feels bad, right? He. And then, like, we get to the bar, and he's like, "Well, can you pick up the first round while I do this?" Blah, blah. And you get the impression that he's a pretty, maybe not the nicest right. guy. But then we find out that, like, you know, 
Arnold has. Like he's maybe even trying to trick her into buying him a drink. Right, right, exactly. Uh, like the, maybe he also doesn't he have enough money to buy favor for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then and then sort of Arnold flips it on us in the other direction that than what we get in yeah. something like Fish Tank, where like she's he's a seemingly at least decent enough to do the the right thing, right to do what he should do, right? I am uh, I am grateful for Criterion, you know. As as much as it's hard to say, I'm grateful for Greg Sharon for giving me an hour an hour more material to cover. But uh well, each of these I, each of these shorts was great and I'm glad to have watched them. Yeah, and I think they form interesting sort of expansions of what Arnold's sort of right. talking about, right? In a way that like leaving us with just fish tank would feel this yeah. feels better, right? Because we kind of get a more robust view of like her right. nope. version of the world. Yeah. Milk seems like a more middle class story than the rest that I've ever seen. That, yeah. Uh, and again, I think it's stylistically different to the others too. In in interesting ways. Uh, well, and it's worth noting it's her her Arnold's first foray foray into like um, filmmaking, right? Uh, yeah, that might. Yeah, I feel it feels like a first film in a way that the other ones don't. Right? It feels less mature in some ways. I mean, like looking at her uh, work, like she definitely worked for in 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 TV and film prior to that, right? uh, Quite a bit. But like as her first sort of debut film, it feels kind of like a debut film, right? Like Milk just feels more in line with sort of standard film. Even though you know it, it's got a lot in common with stuff like you know some Dogma ninety five type stuff and things like that, it's um, it's I don't know how to describe it. It feels more like the kind of movies that just gets made, if that makes sense. You know, it feels yeah. more, in many ways, despite like it be, taking some pretty sh- you know unexpected what one might call unexpected turns. It doesn't feel as intense or as surprising as the next three things we watched to me. And maybe that is the middle-class lifestyle because like that, that is a, a, an important point to bear in mind is that like most stories are quite a few movies are middle-class or upper-class stories, right? One of the things Arnold is, is doing is talking about, uh, you know, life and poverty and stuff in a way. And that's just not a thing you get. We get all that often. Right. Right. Um, and certainly not with as sort of as graphic detail as as Arnold has put into these movies, right? Um, we we get some of that in some of the some movies we've watched, but like it tends to be actually pretty few and far between in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, uh, I just ran across a, a really great thing, uh, and I'm sorry to that this is going to derail stuff. When she got the Oscar for Wasp, her acceptance uh-huh. speech was, as we say in England, "This is the dog's bollocks." Uh, which is just so delightfully indicative of the sort of background she comes from and the sort of right. person she is. It's just very fun. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's, I feel like you see a real strong sort of sense of authorship forming as we right. go through Dog and Wasp and then Fish Tank. Like each right. one getting better and better in terms of like how clearly the, the, the sort of lines are being drawn and the sort of story she wants to tell the sort of top, like how well she's telling those specific perspectives. Right. I think it, it might've been the essay that, that 
describes her movies or 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 not necessarily her movies but the sort of the sort of genre she's working in with fish tank as uh movies about a certain class of people meant for a different class of people right, right. as the audience you know uh and i think one interesting thing about the Fontenhouse trilogy is that the first one, the the fiction one, the real fiction one, is that sort of thing. A movie about poor people for middle class people to consume. Right. Uh, whereas the rest of the Fontenhouse movies, as they get more documentarian, almost feel like he Costa is actually making movies for the people he is putting in his movies. Right. Um Whereas Fish Tank, I don't, I don't necessarily see that. I don't know, I don't know. I feel like Fish Tank is a movie. There, there is the matter of escapism, right? Where, uh, and we, we've almost certainly talked about this in the past before. Um, I think this is true of a lot of Italian neorealism in the early days, and maybe even French New Wave, where movies about poor people from people who think they are making important movies by making movies about poor people. Uh, poor people don't want to watch those movies. Right, yeah, <laughs> want, that's true, yeah. They want I mean, to see stories that aren't about them because because they don't, they don't, uh, they know, already know what their life is like. Um, so, you know, sometimes you get, it's very important to, to have that representation and see yourself. And, and this is a movie that actively engages with that idea too. You know, every time we see something on the television, it's aspiration porn, or it's uh, no, it's like the first time we see the TV, the little sister is watching Crips. Right? Yeah, it's it's that it's that sort of like yeah, it's it's and and it's worth noting that it's because it is mass market, right? Like the t- what's interesting about it to me, okay, in, in sort of a secondary layer of it, is that the little sister is watching the same shows that are that are that are aspirational sort of like wealth driven aspirational tv shows that are being marketed to her and to the middle class both of whom for both of whom for whom that is not attainable you know what i mean like it it, it covers a like those shows cover a broad spectrum they're escapism for everyone who isn't in the sort of top tier of wealth right to watch these shows like in in that in that way she, her and the presumed audience of the film all have that in common they're watching the same shows and they're also the same unattainable bullshit right like right right none of it's none of it's real whether it's for them or for the audience right and so that to me that means something it's it, it's 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 not like this is marketed exclusively to you know the poorest segments of society this is the way that ma- media is mass marketed to the whole of society uh no matter where they are sort of on the income bracket right um and and you know the thing about it is though is right like the thing that i think is different about this than some of those other movies we were mentioning and we were talking about and that sort of like we think we're making important movies about you know especially when you get into poverty, right? Is that yeah. while this movie has a strong theme in that direction, this movie is not primarily about poverty. It is 
explaining how is talking a lot about how poverty is an important factor in in determining things for Mia, but it is a movie fundamentally about like power structures and the fact that like like and about like patriarchal society, right? And like how poverty amplifies that and 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 extends its power, makes its power more uh, intense. But like, and I think in that way, it gets closer to something like Varda than it does any of the other sort of directors we've sort of talked about, because that's a different. These movies aren't necessarily made for. Okay, how do I explain this? Uh, the way I mean it. So the po- the films that are focused on poverty is sort of like I need to talk about poverty are definitely yeah. generally marketed towards the middle class to tell the middle class about how hard life is for people who are living in poverty, right? And then, right. like, kind of create... I'm making important films because I'm exposing to the middle class how the, the poverty problem, right? Or something like that, right? Right. There's a there's a, an intellectualism, a, an academic approach to these right. movies, some of these movies as well, right? Where, where as an audience member uh, consuming this, you know, it's like... <laughs> It's like rich people into rap as a uh, as an intellectual exercise or something. Right, you know? right. Uh, there's an episode of Atlanta that deals with this very interestingly. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's about this consumption and about this, oh, I, I understand what's going on because I've, I've watched this film. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's sort of pseudo-intellectualism, right? It's the, it's right. the I'm going to, it's what you're taught when you go to de- when you go to an expensive school it's what you're taught to do with <laughs> the sort of pseudo intellectual exercise with media right where you where you engage with and say well i i've i've looked at it and i understand what's going on here and like i understand the sort of core motivations here like it's a it's a way to experience a thing but totally entirely to entirely detach yourself from it and sort of prevent it from actually having sort of long term impact on your sense of self or because because by intellectualizing it you are um you're removing it from yourself right you don't have to engage with it in a way that would actually shape your personality or change who you are or the way you see the world right it's right, a sort of right, defense right. mechanism right um and it's used when dealing with poverty it's used when dealing with you know racial issues it's used all the time right it's it is a defense mechanism i don't need to actually like engage with this on a deep emotional level i need to engage with this as a a sort of academic observer right um what i think is interesting here is that what i was kind of kind of getting at is is that because this is primarily about um sort of the power structures inherent to like the patriarchy and stuff like that it's not intended for men to watch and feel bad about the way women are treated necessarily right it, it takes on a different but because that's not what those kind of movies are really meant for. They're more, in generally speaking, to to female audiences to sort of like, in a way that is meant to sort of like reestablish and reify the sort of understanding of the power structure to the audience of people who are also experiencing that power structure, and to sort of amplify right. how that they perceive that because like. You know, you've experienced this, but also other people are experiencing it in this other intense way and sort of kind of create a sort of um, 
sort of sympathetic vibrations rather than I'm going to teach the other side how bad life is for right sort of right, an right, X right. group of people. Like yeah. I'm and sure think, it does have that effect. I'm sure when men you know when when men watch it, right, it will have that effect. But it's also worth bearing in mind that in many ways, unlike the separation of wealth of wealth, right, where like a person who is um middle class may never really come to terms or even experience sort of what having you know being impoverished would be like right and like and so that like becomes like well i'm going to teach you what the how this other group of people lives because you're never going to experience it in your own life because wealth is used to segregate society so intensely right, right. whereas like the men who watch this movie have a day-to-day experience with this society as well right like they like it or not they probably interacted with at least one woman in their life. <laughs> right. And right, presumably right. were probably pretty awful. Uh, and so it has a different, it has a, when, when, when these sort of points are brought up, I think it has a different effect than the, the I'm going to tell you how, I'm going to show, I'm going to make a movie that teaches the middle class how the, how the, how the poor people live. That's a different thing because right. they literally probably have never encountered it. Right, right, right. Like in their daily life, right? Because it's just, that's not how, that's how cities are set up. That's how society is set up, right? Like a person living in the suburbs never encounters. Right. Not as a, not as a real human being. No, certainly maybe in passing, but they don't engage with it in any meaningful way. So it is, it becomes like a tourism documentary. Like it's like, I made this, I made this film about how the, you know, impoverished people lived, live is like akin to like, I've made this documentary about how, uh, Italians make wine. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's so foreign, even if it is just across <laughs> town. <laughs> Whereas uh, the the relationship between men and women in a patriarchal patriarchal society, it should be a thing that whether or not you've thought about it or not, you definitely have some experience with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ultimately, this film it centers a fifteen year old girl, mm-hmm. very realistically. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, from our view, uh, her mom's not great. Uh, her mom's boyfriend is certainly good, uh, bad, yes. uh, not good at all. Um, and, you know, it leaves us, you know, while it is a tale of, I guess, Thinking about Fat Girl some more. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Fat Girl, you know, ends with the mother trying to ex- extradite the daughter from a bad situation from a from a boy using her. And at the end of Fat Girl, that violence is inescapable because it surprise it comes out of nowhere in the last five minutes of Fat Girl for something even worse to have happened. Right as as this mother's trying to protect her, whereas. In Fish Tank, the mom's not interested in protecting her daughter. If anything, if, right. if Joanne found out, if Joanne found out about what had happened between Connor and uh, and Mia, uh, she would think that Mia had seduced him. Right. And, it would be it would be a jealousy response. In fact, the, the way right. the movie is, the way they describe the movie in the sort of intro thing, 
makes it sound like that's we're going to get some point in time where they're fighting over the same man, right? Right, right. If right. you read the description, yeah. even yeah. on Criterion Show, which is like was the impression I walked into the movie with, right? Because you can't help but read that like two sentence blurb or three sentence blurb right. and kind of like internalize it, right? Um, as much as I wish they kind of didn't have it or a way to hide it or something, I, I wish I didn't yeah. have to read those things. Uh, they're not as bad as the Amazon ones, but yeah, it is a new and fresh story about a young woman's perspective. Uh, you know, as most coming of age stories that we've seen in the Criterion Collection certainly have been stories that you know about a, a particular child in a particular place, right? Um, and have been all been fascinating because of that, right? right. Uh, you know, because we're not we're not just learning about this coming of age story, you know, we're also getting a window into a culture that you and I are not familiar with. And that's right, right, part, yeah. of, part of what these movies are about. Um, but I think Arnold, Arnold more than any of that, you know, uh, that like that, that coming of age one, uh, my uncle Antoine, where it was like rural Canada. Oh, in the, right. In the, yeah. Uh, asbestos yeah. mining town. Right. Um, that, that was one that felt more, Educational on like an anthropological. An well, did it, didn't end. we? Didn't we determine that it was funded by like some Canadian council for like? Well, of course, of course. But it like, was made, but like, it was made in Canada, so it was funded right, by the government. Right, period. but, uh, but. I, I remember we had a conversation about this where like it kind of felt like it was literally like made because the Canadian government wanted to teach people about like. How people in rural, like really the sort of impoverished yeah, rural maybe, places maybe. of Canada, live remember. or something. I have it yeah. sounds vaguely familiar to me. That might be true. I can't remember. Um, there was something really yeah. I, I, not to sort of derail you, but um, I noticed at the beginning of this movie that it was funded by the uh, by the uh, the lottery. Uh huh. Like yeah, the, the lottery, which I think is very in my mind. My brain when it did a like a weird backflip because it was like so. The thing this movie, at least in some parts, is about funded the thing this movie is about. I my head hurts. <laughs> yeah, but but also uh <laughs> national lottery funding. Uh Britain Britain's national lottery. <laughs> like Gosford Park and the King's Speech were both partially funded. Right, by I, the and I understand lottery, that. I understand so that like... they use it as a sort of cultural fund or whatever. But like yeah. it doesn't change sort of at its heart that like a right. thing that is primarily exploitative of like sort of impoverished yeah. people is also like the thing right. that funds this film about it just gives me a headache right. a little bit. Right. Well getting getting back to what I was meaning to say. Sorry. Uh that is silly and I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, but uh but something like My Uncle Antoine, certainly the Vontenas trilogy, they're made by outsiders to that culture. Right. Right. Whereas Arnold is is an insider here and understands what she and you know, I have no reason to believe that anything that happens to Mia is autobiographical. But uh, given Arnold's background, it exists the possibility that it is. Well, and it doesn't have to be right because it's it's a world it, right. in which she's from. Like you and I could tell, like if if we if we sort of center ourselves in this sort of discussion, right? we can tell stories related to the sort of life that we grew up in, even if it's not explicitly our story, right? Because we're just familiar with the sorts of things that happen in the world we lived in 
growing up, right? And and right. Arnold can do the same thing, right? She's familiar with the subject matter as a whole. Right. And to that end, uh, it reminded me, say, of Last Picture Show. Uh, okay, yeah. Where is someone, you know, someone who grew up in that town, right? You know, obviously Last Picture Show is written by someone who is sensationalizing rumor. Right, right. Uh, Whereas we, with Arnold, from we... real we, stories. Right. Whereas Arnold, we see, like, a real pretty obviously strong desire to be as faithful to the experiences of people in her... Right. For, like, in the life that she know she knew growing up as possible, right? Right, right. And both, you know, uh, especially Dog and Wasp feel like stories that can exist in the life she knows, right? Um, in the same cinematic universe that is... London Council flat. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And 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 it's in line with other movies I've watched that took place in very similar uh right settings. Right. Without yeah, Arnold's exists without an anthropological end. Like right. there's also my my life as a dog, the one yes, about yeah. uh, the Scandinavian one also felt very anthropological in it, right? Um and and even four hundred blows to a certain extent feels a little anthropological. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, um, like we, you know, we we loved four hundred blows, but when you kind of like with with the benefit of time, you look back on a, a masterfully made movie that, in many ways, wants to like do the same sorts of things that we kind of. Well, you get a lot of middle class to middle upper upper middle class directors right, right. who want to tell stories and, about a world that they didn't live in or really know right. personally. And and from what we know, that is true of Truffaut and the stories right. of uh, the story of Four Hundred Blows, right? <clears throat> I every time I think about that, I think about Godard writing Truffaut off as as bourgeois, uh, which is very silly. But um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I, uh, it's a really fascinating movie. I don't think we're over intellectualizing it. <laughs> No, I mean, in the end, like, I mean, we may, as part of what we do here, we do, but like, yeah, yeah. at least when I was watching the movie, this was a, I try it my hardest and it's, it is an effort really to, to not think about the movies in any other way other than just pure personal reaction to it while I'm watching it. Of course. Uh, I try not, I try not to let my brain begin the podcast before I finish the movie. Uh, It can be hard sometimes. Uh, it's usually a thing that happens where, like, at the very beginning when I first started, because re- I can't help but read that stupid blurb, and then my brain starts, like, trying right, to right, right. reason yeah. out what I'm going to talk about. And then usually somewhere about 10 minutes into a movie, if the movie's any good at all, I can let go of that and just, like, sort of experience the movie. Um, uh, yeah. But, yeah, it, this this is it's very good. You know what it reminds me of, of course, is, like, um, the Florida Project, right? Like, it's, it has oh, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Th- it's so thematically similar. I mean, they both are really engaged with sort of the ideas of like motherhood, you know, not, it, it, fish tank is not engaged with motherhood except for from the other, other direction. But the, these same ideas of, of how the system in many different respects, both the economic system and the sort of dominant cultural system of patriarchy can sort of bind people up into really un, un, unmaintainable situations right like yeah yeah which is another movie i love very much i watched that on airplane yeah um (laughs) good uh sometimes i watch good movies on airplanes okay is what i'm saying right 
your introduction brought up the horse. We haven't talked about the horse at all. Uh, I think the horse as Maya, I, the horse is all of Maya's feelings about freedom put onto one external thing is yeah. very interesting thematically in this movie. Uh, you know, she's trying to free this horse. We, we meet the horse almost as soon as we meet Maya. It's within yep. the first five minutes of the movie. She's already trying to free the horse for the first I time. I mean, she literally frees the horse after after committing the, the sort of violent act that will result <laughs> yes. in it, it right. many things in emotion, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the attempt to free the horse puts puts her redemptive arc into motion, too, in as much as right. leaving for Wales with Billy is a redemptive arc. Um. And the movie wants that to be ambiguous, and and I'm perfectly accepting with that. Yeah, I like the ending of this movie. Uh, the the point where Billy where Billy tells her toward the end of the movie that the horse is gone. Uh, his exact phrasing is just so. It's probably the closest this gets to a movie moment. Okay. Uh, uh, what what he says to her was, he explains that she was sick and she was old, uh, but he says she was 16, it was her time. Yeah. Which is probably perfectly true about the horse, but it's an absolutely terrible thing to say to the 15-year-old girl who had put all of her free feelings about freedom. Right. I mean, uh, well, so like we do, but like at the same time, you get this sort of mixed bag on that because like, Billy is also just a pretty young idiot, right? Like Billy's maybe like yeah, 18, yeah. 19 years old. He has right. he has Freedom. no idea Billy. how to like actually right. comfort Mia in any meaningful way yes. about this. He is no. he's probably saying sort of the sort of things that his his family said to him about that right. horse. Right? Right. Right. Like, right. It's it's no, time. Abs- we have abs- to shoot it. Like it's what we do. This is how this works. Right. Absolutely. It's just it is what I mean by it's the most the most movie moment is it's just sort of on the nose the way he talks and because yeah, the horse yeah. has because Maya has put so much into the horse being a metaphor for herself uh, and that is something that the movie definitely definitely wants wants us to know uh, that uh, you know she's <laughs> she was sixteen it was her time so she had to be put down is uh, just. <laughs> You know, I think these are exact phrases, so we had to shoot her. But that's yeah, yeah. I don't even, th- I don't um, even think the flowery language of "be put right. down" is used. I think it's shoot her. Yeah, right. And and the fact that we have just had our first instance of Maya's age actually being set on screen, right? Like five minutes, which we don't, that. we don't know. We know she's young, but we do right. not exactly know her. We know that we know we know enough to know that bad things are happening that should not be happening. Right. Uh, we don't know exactly what it is until it's revealed pretty late in the movie, and we find out that this that she's e- even younger than this horse. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know she's facing this horse's same feet. Right. She's chained. She's starving. Is she to be shot? Right, but on the flip side, right, like it, it, you get you get a very complex emotional moment out of it, right? Not just that, but like also, Mia has to come to like come to terms with like the idea that like 
this thing isn't her. She right. she had grown emotionally attached to its freedom, and at the same time, now that's severed. Maybe not even am I going to die, but more like am I now like kind of free, right? Like, is this does this mean it's time for me to like not be changed? Like, because like, right? Th- there's a lot going on there, right? Like, she makes a lot of decisions based on the fact that like, to a certain extent. If that horse is representing her, not so much that she's going to die, but that sort of like it's maybe time to let go of things or whatever, right? Like, um, um, right, and 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 it clearly does, and she of, does, yeah, she does, right? So, um, right. I, <laughs> uh, it is a very uh, is a very funny idea in my mind to like have this entire entire emotional moment and then like basically ask her if you want to go to go to Wales with me. Basically, yeah, <laughs> but like you get it right. Like they're they're both very young, right? They are both right. They're they are appropriately, roughly appropriately aged to be around each other and interact the way they are interacting with each other, right? Like he's also a young idiot who does not know how to talk to her, but also he doesn't have the dynamics are different, right? Like it's not this weird thirty year old man, like right, grooming her, right? He is just another kid, basically. Right, right, right. However old he's meant to be, he's we're we're meant to understand that this is not is. this is not right. really inappropriate, right? Like it, it, it right. you know, he's he's a little he's a little old for her, but like you know, right, probably. But I mean, when she's knows? fifteen, yeah. she's very young to be right. running off in a car to Wales. Okay, like also let's, true. let's be very also clear true. here. Like so, yes, he is too old for her because she's too young to be doing that. But then again, as we talked about, her home life fucking sucks. Right. Uh, well, I just love this movie. I do too. Uh, I really, I really, as, I, it is a you know, damn shame we're not going to get any more of her movies. Right, right, right. I was flipping, yeah, the, I was well, looking at uh, American Honey, and that does look really interesting. Yeah, American Honey seems like an interesting book, uh, movie. I remember when it came out uh, and seeing seeing stuff about it, but I never actually saw, saw it. Um, as far as, Sheila Booth had a, had a brief period where it was making interesting choices between going insane and right coming to terms with being a former child actor. Um, maybe he still hasn't, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, I, I don't know that American honey would get a release. No, I, do I don't think it will. That. I mean, also like I'm a bit, I American honey in, in sort of a sort of academic way looks interesting. I'm yeah bothered by what I'm going to have to watch Shia LaBeouf do and act to do in the description of the movie. Like, if I imagine yeah. a different actor, it's easy. If I imagine him, it's <laughs> upsetting. That's fair. So I'm not sure um, it's a movie I actually want to see. Yeah. I think Red Road's probably more likely if there's ever another another of Arnold's movies to be into the Criterion Collection, but uh, but who knows. Uh, plus Red Road. Red Road seems interesting and like a movie I would enjoy. I don't think it's a movie you would enjoy. I but, doubt we'll get it though. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't seem Arnold's, like it's slated for right. like release or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Arnold's Arnold seems like a really interesting director uh, in many ways. Uh, in vain with like the Lars von Trier stuff we've seen that we've really connected with. Uh, not not just because you know I've already mentioned Antichrist with uh, with Milk, but. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, just that whole dog to ninety five style is is right. you know, something inherent to him too. So, uh, yeah, I am also disappointed that we won't see anything else from her as of yet. But maybe someday, <laughs> if we survive long enough doing this project, uh, we'll come back around and another. Yeah, maybe we'll run out of Criterion films and we'll have to just start picking stuff. That'll yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Uh, but we could probably pull this one to a close this week we've been talking about fish tank andrea arnold's 2009 british drama uh next week we will be watching another movie from around the same time from 2008 still walking uh japanese film directed by hirokazu kori eda uh another family drama 2008 to 2010 family dramas I love I love a family drama from that era. I there, we certainly you know, do. I have mentioned a lot of during them, this we? episode. We do get a lot of them. That's that's just. It seems like it seems like that sort of uh, summer hours was also true of this, and that's outside of East Asia. There are a lot of East Asian ones in the right. Criterion Collection. It really the, it does really feel it does, to me like there at one point the Criterion Collection showed up at Con with a big truckload of money. <laughs> And right, just picked up right. every like impactful family drama, like screened, yeah. for like two it, years. Yeah. For like two years in a row, two thousand eight to two thousand nine, uh, Criterion just suddenly had a lot of money and a decision maker who was very interested in in this particular type of movie. Right. But but I still do look forward to seeing it because I have Criterion has yet to show me one that I didn't like. So. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, they're uh, always they're always very interesting. Well, and especially since like we kind of get a a fascinating sort of tour of different sort of perspectives on the same like what is about family, you know, about family. Right. I, I I've liked most of them. So yeah, I mean, all of them inevitably deal with a wedding or a funeral, but uh, <laughs> but there are there are just there there's. Are I mean, they have to follow the tenets of, of drama, events. right? Like that's just it's but they the are rules, the tenets man. of the drama. Yes, that's true. That's true. Well, we'll talk more about that next week as we talk about Still Walking. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Lost Ring Right Here. I'm, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Overtari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. been lost in criterion hosted by me adam glass find me on twitter at the adam glass my co-host is john patrick overtari dorgan you can find him on twitter at j patrick dorgan big thanks to jonathan hape for our theme song check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service 
Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.